Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Good morning, church family. It's good to be with you again on this beautiful Lord's Day. Let's join together our hearts and and our lives together as we join in prayer. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your love and goodness, and we praise you for uh, the thrill and the joy of coming together to study your Word. And Lord, we just pray that you would bless us as we uh, do just that. Lord, we pray that you'd help us as we seek to uh, to do our very utmost to, uh, to praise you and to magnify you. And Lord, we thank you for uh, the great... Uh, blessings that your word is to us. And Lord, we just pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning I want to ask you, if you would, uh, to join with me in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 22. You know, uh, it's very rare that one gets to uh, to hold a miracle in his hand and much less to see one. Uh, but uh, may I say to you that every time that you pick up your Bible, uh, you are not only looking at a miracle, you're holding a miracle in your hands. It's incredible how uh, this book uh, that we uh, take for granted so many uh, times uh, has come to us and how it has uh, blessed our lives. It's an incredible book that was written over a period of 2,000 years by 50 different authors and could have, uh, uh, and it's incredible that it could have the unity of a book that was written by just one man in one day. Uh, you would think that the Old Testament written in Hebrew with a thought pattern and a cultural identification of the Hebrew and the New Testament written in common Greek with a thought pattern and the cultural identification of the Greek individual would have absolutely nothing in common. Yet there is unity between these two testaments that is so natural that it has to be supernatural. Um, and our Old Testament has a relation to the New Testament in so many different ways. The New Testament is the Old Testament unfolded, and the Old Testament is the New Testament unfolded. The New Testament is the Old Testament contained, and the Old Testament is the New Testament explained. And the New Testament is the Old Testament concealed, and the Old Testament is the New Testament revealed. And the new is in the old for shown, and the old is in the new full grown. You're going to see this beautifully illustrated in one of the greatest pictures of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ in all of the Bible. Now, the background of Deuteronomy chapter 21 is that uh, uh, Israel has been wandering in the wilderness for 
39 years they have been, uh, or 38 years, they, they've been wandering through the wilderness and uh, this is after uh, God has delivered them to the promised land after the, the uh, children of Israel have uh, sent spies into uh, uh, the promised land uh, to see the land and, and to see all of uh, the, the beauty of what God has uh, provided them. And uh, as they are scouting out and, and spying out this uh, wonderful land that God has given them, uh, doubt creeps into their mind. Uh, they uh, see how uh, mighty and, and strong the the people and the inhabitants of the land are. They see uh, that they are uh, nothing in their sight, and so they uh, grow weak. Instead of, of storming into the land uh, behind the banner of God, uh, Jehovah Nisi, uh, they uh, cower away, and they uh, say there's no way that they could take this, uh, this land, uh, not even thinking about the fact that God is with them. And so God uh, sentences them to wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And uh, uh, God fed them and God led them. And the children of Israel uh, had been wandering through the wilderness. And all the while, none of their clothes are wearing out. Their shoes uh, aren't uh, uh, falling apart because they're wandering around. And what God is doing is, is He's getting rid of the generation that doubted Him, that would not follow Him. I mean, God had just plopped them right there at the promised land. He had; it was time for them to take uh, His uh, promise of the covenant uh, to give them a land and make them prosperous. And uh, they saw it in the eyes of man. They saw it in terms of of their own abilities rather than the ability of God, who had delivered them through so many things, uh, so many challenges, so many problems and and, uh, issues uh, as they went through uh, the wilderness that that God is blessing them at this time uh, to come into the promised land and and yet they they don't want to take the promised land. They don't want to follow God. And so God is wiping them out and causing them to to die off uh, over the 40 years and all the young people, the children that they feared for, they said, uh, uh, we fear that if we go into the promised land that our children will be taken captive and uh, they'll be carted off and uh, we won't be able to defend them. And God is saying, in essence, uh, these children that you were so worried about, they're the ones that are going to take the promised land. They will uh, take up the mantle and, and march into the land that I give them. And so they've been wandering around for 38 years. They've been following after uh, uh, Joshua, uh, who uh, God raised up to take the place of uh, Moses, but uh, uh, they'll they'll follow Joshua as he takes them into the promised land, but uh, God is is, uh, preparing them for this time, and one of the things that uh, they have to do is they have to navigate around the land of Edom. Now, Edom uh, is the place in which the half-brothers of the Israelites uh, uh, 
they are dwelling. The Edomites were uh, the descendants of Edom, who uh, is, uh, you, you might recall from uh, Jewish history, uh, is the brother of, of uh, the Israelites. They, uh, you know, uh, they... Uh, um, You know, uh, rather than um, you know, Jacob and Esau uh, uh, had a falling out, and Esau uh, uh, sold his birthright and his uh, his inheritance to uh, uh, Jacob kind of gotten tricked out of that and uh, there was a falling out Esau was known as Edom because of his red hair and so the Edomites uh, are a descendant of of uh, Esau and so these these people uh, didn't take part in going down to uh, the uh, uh, to Egypt and all of that and so the Israelites uh, came back to uh, this land and, and they wanted to uh, basically travel through the land of Edom in order to get to the promised land, uh, the place in which God is taking them. And uh, the Edomites said, look, we can't have you coming through our land. You're, you're too many. Uh, they, they feared what the Israelites would do. The Israelites had a great army of, of people. They were had amassed this great number of people, and so uh, they feared uh, what would happen to their land if they allowed the Israelites to march through uh, their territory uh, to get to the Promised Land. They feared that, well, maybe they'll come through here and trample everything. They'll destroy everything. They'll come through here and uh, they'll... Uh, see how good our land is, and they'll want to uh, to fight us for our possession, for our land. And so, uh, God is directing them. God did not want to uh, uh, destroy the Edomites at this time, and so God has led them around uh, the land of Edom, and as a result. Uh, as God is leading them, uh, the Israelites begin to get tired and weary of all of this traveling. And they get tired of, of God uh, providing them manna. Uh, and so they get, they get sick and tired of both uh, the leading and the feeding of God. And they begin to murmur and complain. Not just against uh, uh, Moses, who's still with them uh, uh, at this point, uh, it's not quite time for Joshua to take over. Uh, but he is, they're complaining against Moses. They're complaining against God. They're, they're, they're complaining what God has done. Look with me in uh, uh, this uh, desert scene. Well, uh, the, in chapter 21, the first three verses are about how uh, they uh, go up. Uh, against the Canaanite king Arad who lived in the Negev and uh, he heard that uh, Israel was coming by the way of Atharim and he fought against Israel and took some of them captive and, the, and Israel vowed a vow to, 
to Yahweh and said, If you will indeed give this people into my hand, then I will totally destroy their cities. And Yahweh listened to the voice of Israel, and he gave over the Canaanites, and they totally destroyed them in their cities. And the name of the place was Hormah. So they're in Hormah. They have just defeated uh, this, this army of uh, King Arad. And uh, from this point on, Israel will never again be defeated uh, outright and and destroyed by an enemy. Uh, their their military might continues to grow from this point on. It just grows and grows and grows. And so as as we come to verse four, it says, and they set out from Mount Or by the way of the Sea of Reeds to go around the land of Edom. But the people began to be, uh, become impatient on the way and the people spoke against God and against Moses why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness for there is no bread and there's no water and we detest this worthless food uh, they've they've gotten to the point where they detest the food that got this manna from heaven that God is raining down upon them and Yahweh sent a fiery snakes among the people, and they bit the people, and many of the people of Israel died. And Israel came to Moses and said, We have sinned because we have spoken against Yahweh and against you. Pray to Yahweh that he takes the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and Yahweh said to Moses, Make a fiery snake and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. And Moses made a bronze snake and set it on a pole. And when the snake had bitten a man, he would look at the bronze snake and live. I want to tell you, this is a beautiful example of uh, not just the history of Israel, but it's a beautiful example of of what God does for us in present day. And in fact, uh, Jesus uh, compared himself uh, to this incident in the New Testament. And he uh, uh, states that that he is going to be lifted up as the serpent in the wilderness. Uh, He's talking about being lifted up on the cross. And uh, what we see here is the people of Israel they uh, have gotten so complacent in the fact that God is leading them. They have gotten so... uh, uh, they've taken their eyes off of the fact that God has given them everything they need. God has given them victory over this army. God has given them a promised land. God is leading them uh, in the way that they need to go. And so oftentimes, uh, we're the same way as Israel. Don't give Israel a lot of uh, of uh, uh, bad looks just simply because of all that God is doing and the fact that they're sinning. We do the same thing. God leads us day in and day out. God provides for us all that we have. God gives us victory and God uh, does uh, 
what's necessary to protect us and to keep us. And God is working in our lives even to this day uh, as we're going through this very difficult uh, time with uh, this pandemic. Uh, God is still providing. And yet, uh, a lot of times we can get tired of the fact that, that uh, God is leading us through and we, we don't realize uh, all that God is doing. Israel got their eyes off of God and they began to grumble and complain. Oh God, you're leading us and you're keeping us safe. Oh God, you're, you're providing food that's falling out of heaven and, and uh, this uh, honey wafer that, that you're, that you're uh, uh, allowing us to eat. It's, uh, we don't have to uh, forage for ourselves. We don't have to go hunting. We don't have to go and, and find a way of, of finding food for all of these uh, people. Uh, they begin to complain. We do the same thing. We, we complain when God is providing for us and, and giving us everything that we need. He, he provides for us the, uh, the food that we eat. He provides the shelter that we have over our head. He provides uh, safety and security in our time, uh, uh, in our life as we go through uh, the challenges of life. And, and yet we complain about it. God, uh, I, I'm, I'm so tired of, of uh, 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 sitting in my home. I'm, I want to get out and do things. Oh God, I, I just don't want uh, to do this anymore. And, and God begins to, to uh, get to the point where He uh, wants to uh, illustrate to us how much we need Him and how much we depend upon Him. Uh, as Israel sinned against God and the way in which they were talking not just about Moses, uh, but about God Himself and how God had brought them out there. And, and when when they say this, this thing about uh, God taking them out into the wilderness to die and and to uh, to die in the wilderness uh, what they're saying is basically we don't believe that God has brought us here to be delivered but we believe that God has brought us here uh, to uh, to kill us to eliminate us to destroy us and uh, they're basically saying that we don't believe that God is going to be able to take care of us we don't believe that God is going to care for us and so what happens is is that God brings judgment upon the people of Israel. He brought judgment uh, in the form of these uh, fiery serpents. They, and what it means by fiery serpents doesn't mean that the snakes were on fire. Uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they... <coughs> excuse, excuse me. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that they had a coppery uh, appearance to them uh, what, and light reflected off of them and made them look fiery or, or shiny or anything like that uh, doesn't necessarily mean that. What it's talking about when it says fiery serpents, it, it's basically talking about uh, the, the effect that it, it, that it had uh, upon the people of Israel when they were bitten by the snakes. Uh, this fiery serpents uh, refers to uh, uh, the fact that uh, they were uh, caused to be ill and they were caused to um, many of them died as a, rep as a result of these snakes that bit them and 
And so what we see is God bringing judgment for sin, transgression upon their life. And that's exactly uh, the situation for us even to this day when we transgress against God, when we go against God, when we fail to see the the beauty of all that God has done for us, when we fail to to realize all that God is doing for us, when we uh, lack the, the vision of how God is blessing us, and how God is uh, providing us, we're in essence saying, you know, I'm the one responsible for everything I have. God doesn't give me anything and and things just aren't looking good for me. And I wish that God would come in and help me. That's the bas- basically the essence of what they were saying to God in the wilderness. God, uh, we've been wandering around here forever and we're just tired of, of walking around in circles. And, and, and it's no wonder it's a result of their own sin. It's a result of the fact that they sinned against God and didn't trust in God to take them on into uh, the promised land. It's a result of of God's judgment upon them for uh, lacking to to trust in them, uh, trust in Him to to take them on in and into the the promised land and to give them victory. Israel still had some growing up to do. Uh, they, uh, the people of Israel, needed to to continue to learn to depend upon God. And so God, uh, through these 38 years, had been uh, causing these people to realize that He was taking care of them, to realize that all that they had came from Him, and yet they still falter. They, After 38 years of being in the wilderness, they're still falling short. They still come up short. They still, you know, uh, some of you uh, people, uh, some people talk about how, you know, hey, I, I've been a Christian all, uh, you know, for a long time. I've been a Christian for 30, 40 years. I, I've been a Christian for a long time. Hey, that doesn't mean you can't still sin. That doesn't mean that you still can't become short-sighted about what God is doing in your life. And so uh, the people of Israel lost sight of God's uh, protection in their life, lost sight, and they, as a result... Uh, God sent judgment. That's just the same as as the need for salvation in our life. When we sin against God, uh, we need to have deliverance. And uh, God uh, sends punishment. And God sent punishment in the form of these fiery serpents into the uh, to the people of Israel, and they uh, they were uh, uh, getting bitten by these snakes, and they were uh, not only falling ill, they were uh, becoming so sick that they were dying. And let me tell you, show you something else. There was nothing they could do to keep them from falling ill and dying as a result of these snake bites. There's no, there, was, there was no antidote that they could find on their own. There was no way of having deliverance outside of the hand of God moving in their life. And that is exactly what sin is. When we sin against God and we uh, reap the, the payment of the punishment of sin, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, the Bible tells us. Uh, the wages of sin is death. And when we sin against God, we're just like these Israelites that have been bitten by these snakes. Uh, we uh, fall 
into a spiral of death. We, uh, as a result of our sin, uh, we our punishment is death, a separation from God, eternal separation, uh, a, a spiritual death that's uh, that's also corresponds to the physical death that we go through uh, because of sin in our life. Everything that's happening in this world, everything that's going on in the world uh, today is a result of sin. Uh, this disease, the uh, natural disasters, the uh, 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 whenever uh, uh, someone gets uh, cancer, the, that's all a result of sin. That wasn't God's ultimate desire for uh, mankind. It, uh, God's desire was that we would spend all of eternity in His presence, in fellowship, in union with God, in uh, communion with God eternally just like it was in the Garden of Eden. But mankind chose to sin. Not just Adam, but mankind chose to fall away from God, to turn away from God, to, uh, to uh, desire to, to find his own way, uh, to do things his own way rather than listening to God. And as a result, we live with the consequences of sin. We live with the, uh, the wages of sin, which is death. And so the people of Israel realized that they had no way, uh, nowhere to turn except to God. And that's the truth of sin in our life today. Uh, we can't take care of our, uh, we can't do enough good things. We can, uh, we could be Bill Gates and, and donate uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars to worthy causes. But that doesn't get you into heaven. We could be, listen, you could be Mother Teresa and dedicate your whole life to the outcast of the world and trying to bring a little bit of comfort to the uh, people dying of the most horrible diseases in Calcutta. But let me tell you something, without Jesus Christ, Mother Teresa would die and go to a sinner's hell. Without the love of God, without God's protection and God's plan of salvation, even Mother Teresa, without that, Mother Teresa would die a sinner's death and go to eternity in hell. There's, she couldn't, uh, uh, no, matter, no matter how much good you do in this world, it doesn't, uh, you know, the world might think of you as a saint. People might venerate you. People might have images of you on, on lockets and wear your image around their neck. They, they could do all kinds of things. Call you a saint. But only God bringing His salvation can make you a saint. You know, the Pope can do all he wants to, but he's not the one who determines that you're a saint. Only the blood of Jesus Christ being applied to your life. Only that is the pathway to be a child of God, a saint. And so the Israelites, they realize they have no hope. They have no ability to find uh, salvation in their life from this, this horrible situation. And so they cry out to God. They cry out to Moses. And they say, "We've look, we have gone against what God's desire is for us. We have sinned because we have spoken against Yahweh and against uh, you. And so uh, that is the first step in repentance. Is, uh, is, to, is, 
is the same step that Israel takes. The first step uh, for you in repentance is to, is to realize that you've sinned and to profess your sin to God. Oh God, I've, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. God, I'm unworthy of your love. I, I've sinned against you. I know what I've done. This is what I've done. In the case of Israel, they said, we've spoken against God. We've spoken against His servant Moses. We, we've, we've said these horrible things about God. And so we have sinned. And then they, uh, and so what they do is they say, Moses, would you pray to God that he would deliver us? Now, this is at a time in which uh, the sinner can't go directly to, to God. Uh, uh, Jesus hasn't come yet. Jesus is, is our uh, intermediary. Uh, the, the the Bible says that he is our high priest and that's what the high priest was supposed to do. Uh, the high priest in this situation, God's spokesman uh, was Moses and Aaron. Uh, Aaron had just... Uh, uh, died just recently uh, before this and and uh, his son Eliezer had taken over as high priest but uh, they're saying to Moses please beseech God on our behalf implore God on our behalf to take away this this awful situation that we're in this awful awful situation with the serpents we don't want to die and that's what you have to do in order to to have salvation. Not only realize you're a sinner, realize that you've transgressed against God, but pray for forgiveness. And so, and when we pray for forgiveness, we go through Jesus Christ, who took uh, uh, who took upon Himself the sins of the world, who paid the price for our sins. You know, the the role of the high priest was to go and to offer a sacrifice. Uh, in uh, the Holy of Holies for the people of Israel and on the altar in the holy place and and his role was to uh, it was to uh, seek forgiveness for the people of Israel for their sins and uh, God sent Jesus to be not only our high priest that would offer sacrifice, but to become the sacrifice for us. The only sacrifice that can take away the sin of the world. Uh, all of these sacrifices that were offered up before were just a stopgap. They were uh, just a way of holding a place until Jesus Christ came. It was a way of understanding that blood needed to be shed and to understand that uh, that we had no way of, of forgiveness of sin outside of God's prescription of forgiveness of sin. And so uh, Jesus went to the cross to take our place and pay the penalty of our sin. And so a sinner must go to Jesus today and, and plead for forgiveness, plead that, 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 we, that God would forgive us of our sin and provide a way of salvation. And so uh, uh, they, pr- uh, they say, pray to God that He'll take away the snakes from us. Moses prayed for the people and God says to Moses, make a fiery snake and set it on a pole and everyone that uh, uh, looks at everyone that's bitten and that has uh, the snake bite, when he sees the snake on the pole, he shall live. All it took was one look 
And was it the snake that brought salvation? No. Was it uh, uh, something about the way the uh, the bronze serpent on the top of the pole glinted in the sun, burned away the the uh, uh, the uh, poison that the snakes had bitten uh, on them. No, was the snake that was on the pole uh, uh, some way of of uh, driving the the uh, the snakes away? No, none of that. It was about obedience of following God's direction of following God's plan of forgiveness. They wouldn't have look, uh, Moses could have put that fire uh, could have put that bronze serpent on the pole and could have lifted it up and said, look, uh, all you have to do is look to the, uh, the serpent on the pole and you'll be uh, healed from this uh, this poison that's in you from the snake. He could have told them that until he was blue in the face, but unless they looked, unless they had faith, faith is what uh, healed. Faith in God's deliverance. God was the healer. And faith in God and trusting in Him was the means of, of demonstrating that faith that God would bring healing into their life. And so all they had to do after they were bitten was look to the serpent that was on the pole. And let me tell you something. All you must do is look to Jesus Christ to find salvation. All you have to do is look to Jesus Christ to find forgiveness in your life. All you have to do is look to Jesus Christ to find direction in your life. And this is such a beautiful image of what Jesus Christ does for us because it just took one look, a look of faith, a look of of belief that God would bring them uh, through this, that God would heal them. It wasn't merely the fact that the serpent was on the pole. And it's not merely the fact that Jesus went to the cross. You have to accept Jesus into your life. Just one look at the cross and accepting that Jesus is the one who brings salvation and professing that to God by saying, look, I I know that you brought salvation into my life and I'm going to trust uh, trust in you to bring salvation. This is just such a beautiful thing that God has done uh, foreshadowing uh, and preparing the people of Israel for realizing that God can bring them deliverance, that God delivers them from death into life. And you need to understand and you need to realize as well that God provides a way from death into life that God brought uh, and sent Jesus Christ to die in your place so that you might have eternal life. And what a beautiful what a beautiful picture that God is showing us all the way back into uh, the Old Testament. All the way back, God is showing that He is the way to salvation. And God is showing us today that He is the way to salvation in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. Near, merely just knowing that Jesus died on the cross is not enough. You have to trust in Him, trust in God. Place your faith in Jesus Christ. Allow His grace, His mercy to flow upon your life. Allow His forgiveness into your life. And He'll deliver you from your sin. God will deliver you from the penalty of your sin. God will deliver you 
from the judgment of his sin. Just simply trust in him. Place your faith in him. Allow Jesus to take away the fiery uh, bite of the serpent. Let's pray. Dear gracious Lord and Father, we thank you so much for all that you do. And we praise you for your forgiveness. We praise you for Jesus Christ and his precious blood. We praise you for the gift that was given to us on the cross of Calvary and the foreshadow of that gift and the fiery and the serpent that was lifted up high and lifted up so that we might uh, look to Jesus, look to Him and receive forgiveness. Lord, we know that it takes just one look, one look to the cross of Calvary to find forgiveness of sin, to find redemption. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to share with others that forgiveness And salvation from the penalty of sin is found in Jesus Christ. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to share that with others. Help us to let others know about the gift of salvation. Help us to share with others how simple it is to just simply place their trust in Jesus Christ and to find salvation in their life. Lord, we pray that you would give us boldness Help us to give us determination to go out and to share your uh, love with others. Help us to, to share with others how simple it is. And Lord, so often that is the stumbling block of how simple it is for people to find salvation and just looking to Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to let them know that that is the way of salvation, to, to place their trust in Christ, in Christ alone. Lord, we pray that you would be with us as we go throughout the remainder of our day. Bless us, Lord, and take us to to share with others the gift of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I thank you so much for everyone staying with us and and hearing the, uh, the wonderful message of God's love found in, of all places, the book of Numbers, an example of what God would do for us in Jesus Christ and a foreshadowing of His love. I want to tell you uh, some wonderful news that uh, is uh, long overdue, I feel. Uh, We have been uh, separating ourselves from each other as a way of keeping safe. And uh, we have done this as a means to uh, limit those who would uh, uh, be most vulnerable. And we love each and every one of you so very much. We don't want anything to happen to any of our precious saints in the body of Jesus Christ. And we don't want anyone to get sick as a result of of going to church. And so for that reason, we have been separating ourselves and not uh, coming together as a body of believers each week uh, for worship. Uh, But things are improving. Things are getting better. Uh, People... uh, uh, not as many people are getting this uh, terrible disease and and uh, uh, things are improving. And what we want to do is, uh, and I've talked this over with the deacons and, and, and discussed it with them, and, and I have uh, 
uh, uh, d- d- come to uh, the belief that uh, now's the time for us to come back into our fellowship. And so what we're going to do is on uh, the last Sunday of this month, uh, May the 31st, uh, which is a fifth Sunday, uh, we're going to come together and uh, begin to worship again uh, as a body of Christ together. And what we'll do is uh, uh, give this a little bit longer. Uh, and we 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 wanted to to do it even sooner. Wanted it this Sunday. Uh, had thought about maybe the 24th on uh, next Sunday, but we feel as though uh, giving it a little bit longer and waiting until the 31st would be the best thing for us to do. Uh, We're going to wait until the 31st of May and begin uh, once again coming together as a body of Christ. And what we're going to do is we're going to uh, have our services outside initially uh, uh, for a little while. We're going to have, uh, like we do on uh, our sunrise services, we're going to meet uh, in the field area beside the cemetery and uh, where we can uh, spread out some chairs and, and have some distance between our family groups. We're going to group. Uh, we're not going to have individual chairs uh, separate. We'll, we'll have some, but we're going to have... Uh, we're going to have... Uh, our uh, chairs grouped in numbers of twos and threes and fours so that our family groups can sit together. Now, those people that you've been with uh, all this time in isolation, uh, you can sit with them. And then uh, those chairs will be uh, about six feet apart from the next group of chairs. And we're going to uh, have our tents that we use for Vacation Bible School set up over some of the chairs for those of you who have a little bit more difficult time uh, being in the sun and uh, if you feel like you can't uh, handle uh, the walk back to the back of the church uh, that will be close enough to the uh, driveway around the, the uh, cemetery where you'll be able to drive and come and park at the outskirts of the chairs and you can roll down your windows still be separate by uh, your windshield and the protection of your car but be able to hear what's going on by rolling down your windows and uh, also you'll have the convenience of not having uh, to uh, the treacherous walk back to the back uh, if you are afraid of possibly uh, falling as a result of the uneven ground back there. So uh, we'll have uh, regular chairs set up. We'll have chairs under the tents. And if, if you don't feel comfortable with either of those, you can drive your car around the, uh, the cemetery and park in the back and uh, be a part of the service that way. Uh, we're going to set up some speakers and have our musicians play and uh, have uh, our worship service out there where we'll be able to be together, uh, but we'll also be safe uh, at a distance. Now, this comes with uh, one caveat. You have to uh, be certain not to yield to the temptation to run up to each other and give each other a hug. I know how much you love each other and I know how much uh, you desperately want to come together as uh, and hug on each other and visit with each other and talk with each other. 
we still have to stay separate we still have to stay um, uh, at a a proper distance and so uh, if you can do that then we're going to come together and do that now we're going to continue to uh, broadcast the podcast like we've always have Uh, we'll record the service that way and uh, we want you to to have the convenience of, of continuing to have uh, the service if you don't feel comfortable coming and joining with us uh, in person. But we want to see you. We want to see your bright, shining faces. We want to uh, worship together with you. And this is the first step to uh, easing back into a time in which we'll be able to come together. Eventually, we'll uh, uh, be able to go in and, and worship together inside the sanctuary and we'll do that but we're going to start this off on the 31st at 9:30 in the morning uh, that way it'll be nice and, and cool still and it won't be quite so hot and uh, we'll be able to uh, come together and and join together we'll, we'll, there'll not be any other uh, um, uh, Sunday school or anything like that uh, right away uh, we're going to do start out with just the service uh, together and so we're going to have that time on the 31st look forward to that circle it on your calendar let everybody know uh, that we're going to come together on the 31st and we'll be meeting out beside this uh, the uh, church in the uh, churchyard area next to the cemetery so uh, that's a wonderful news and let's pray that God will continue to, to work in us uh, so that we'll be able to come together and if things improve even more maybe it'll be even quicker that we uh, get together in the sanctuary so uh, that's wonderful news and i want to encourage you uh, by sharing that with you and pray that god will continue to work in us as we uh, prepare to come together as the body of christ thank you so much god bless you